This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode features dramatizations and discussions of graphic dismemberment and death. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Southeast Asian traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there is a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Roxmay made his way home, enjoying the warm night air and the feeling of the mud squelching beneath his toes. The farmer had spent all day on his hands and knees amongst the rice paddies and couldn't wait to get home so he could stretch out on his straw mattress. As his hut came into view, Roxmay noticed something that made him pause. A faint orange light, like the glow of a lantern, hovered out on the marsh. Hello? Who's out there? There was no response. But the light flickered and began to drift away. The farmer scowled. The rice paddy farmers should all be long gone by now, and he could see no reason why someone would be out in the fields this late at night. Gripping his shovel tight, he headed out in the direction of the light. Roxmay was getting closer and closer to the orb, but then suddenly it seemed to flicker and go out. Roxmay pressed on, and as he neared the spot where he had last seen the light, he heard a faint sound. <laughs> hungry. So hungry. Who's there? Show yourself! As Roxmay's eyes adjusted to the darkness, he saw her. A young woman crouching in the water, only the top of her head visible above the tall reeds. As he stepped closer, she turned to face him. Roxmay froze, eyes widening in surprise. 
the being rising from the reeds was not a woman, at least not a whole one. He was staring at a woman's disembodied head. Entrails dangled from her severed throat. Her heart beat feebly. Her lungs twitched with each flare of her nostrils. Her stomach and loosely hanging intestines glowed with a faint orange-red light. The woman's lips parted, and a long, serpentine tongue reached for Roxmay. He opened his mouth to scream, but only managed a single, strangled word. Casa. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're covering the Krasa, a nocturnal female vampire entity popular in various parts of Southeast Asia. In the rural areas of Southeast Asia, there persists a legend of a vampiric spirit more ghastly and horrifying to encounter than almost any other. In Cambodia, she is the Ap. In Bali, the Liak. In Laos, the Kasa. And in Malaysia, the Penangal but she is best known in Thailand, where she is called the Krasa. She is described as the disembodied head of a woman, often a beautiful young maiden, that floats through the night sky with her internal organs dangling below her. Her stomach and intestines are said to emit a strange light when full. She's cursed with an insatiable hunger for human flesh, but, if unable to find it, will stave her hunger with carrion and feces. Her favorite meal, however, is the blood of unborn children. Each culture has its own legend about the origin of the Krasa. The best-known myth about the ghastly creature is set in the Angkor Empire, hundreds of years before it became the modern-day nation of Cambodia. It begins, as so many tales do, with a princess. Princess Charia hurried across the courtyard, mind racing even faster than her feet. She reached the royal elephant stables and pulled open the heavy doors. Two men looked up as the princess entered. She headed straight for the old Mahout, the man who had been charged with keeping watch over the king's prized white elephant. There you are. My father is waiting for an update on the elephants in the throne room. Well, what are you waiting for? Get going. 
The bewildered old Mahout hurried out of the stable, leaving Charia with the elephants and the younger man. He was up to his knees in elephant dung, which he struggled to shove into a wheelbarrow. As soon as they were alone, Charia hurried toward the young man and threw her arms around him. <laughs> San! It's daylight, Charia. Someone could see us. If your father finds out... Sen, listen to me. I just overheard my father speaking with his advisors. They say Siam invaded the southern border during the night. Gods, then Angkor is at war. There's more. My father is going to decree that all able-bodied men take up arms for the Empire. The army marches in under a week. I see. Then I suppose we'll have to make the most of our time together. Are you mad? We can't let this happen. We have to tell my father about us. He will understand. Understand that his only daughter loves a man who keeps the company of a timid old man in the dung of elephants? At least he's a man who's alive and healthy, away from war's brutal end. Don't worry, princess. I will wield a sword as I wield my pitchfork and survive to see you again. The princess tried to think of anything to prevent her beloved San from being sent away to battle. She begged her father to make an exception for the men who worked in his employ, even just the men who cared for his prized white elephant. But the king had refused. All able-bodied young men had to serve. So with nowhere else to turn, she went to the last place she had ever expected. Come in, my child. It had taken her days just to get the name. In the end, it had been one of the palace handmaids who told her where to go. A hut at the edge of the city, on the outskirts of the Great Marsh. Inside this dingy hollow, she found the oldest woman she had ever laid eyes on. And if Charya was right, this was the only person in the world who could help her. You're the one they call Mama Rangda, aren't you? And you're the one they call Princess. Come sit. Tell Mama Rangda what you need. The man I love is being sent away to war. I fear that he will die. You wish to protect him. Please, is there a way? There is always a way. The only question is, can you pay? Gold is no object. Ah, not gold. Life is a sacred thing. If you wish to protect it, you must offer something sacred in return. I don't know what... You have something sacred in your palace. The white elephant. <sighs> what do you want with him? A life for life. Will you pay? The princess left the old woman, weighing the question in her mind, but her decision was already set in her heart. She returned the very next night with the young elephant in tow. I have brought what you asked. Good. Where should I... Wait here. It would be better if you did not watch. Charya waited outside the hut, 
Shivering, despite the warm night, she shut her eyes, but her ears were open to the sounds coming from inside. She heard the elephant trumpet once, and then no more. The old woman's faint chanting floated through the door, while dark blood seeped from beneath it. It was nearly dawn when Mama Rangda emerged and presented the princess with a small vial of ink-black liquid. The protection spell. You're sure it's safe. Have him drink it before he goes into battle, and no harm will come to him. Charya raced back to the palace, arriving not a moment too soon. She found San at the elephant pen, already dressed in a soldier's uniform. San! There you are! I came to say goodbye and saw your father's white elephant was gone. Here, take this. What? Drink it before you go into battle. It will protect you. A potion? This is witchcraft, Charya! Just listen. No, you listen. I don't need your black magic. I'm not a coward. I can risk my life just like everyone else. But... Goodbye, princess. I'll see you when the war is over. Sen, wait! The proud young soldier left without the potion, not knowing the heavy price the princess had paid for it. The next morning, Charya watched as the army of fresh recruits marched out of the city, wondering if she would ever see her beloved San again. Coming up, the lovers are reunited and a monster is born. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now back to the story. When the Angkorian Empire went to war with Siam, the Khmer Princess Charya's heart was broken. She had fallen in love with a commoner, a man named San, who shoveled elephant dung in her father's stables, he had been sent away to fight on the front lines, and Charya doubted that he would ever return. Each night she lay awake, envisioning San on the battlefield. 
She imagined his death a hundred times over, calling out in pain and anguish for her. Her sleepless nights left her too exhausted to do much of anything. She aimlessly roamed the halls of the palace like the living dead, a distant look in her glazed eyes. She saw little of her father, but when their paths did cross, she recognized the same look of exhaustion. His days and nights were spent in long, unending war meetings with his advisors and generals. One morning, the princess entered the great hall to find her father seated at the long table, his head in his hands. Charya sat beside him and asked what was wrong. The king took her hand and, with tears in his eyes, explained that their lives would never be the same. The war was over. Siam had won. The Angkor Empire was no more. As Charya listened, her own eyes began to well, but unlike her father, hers were tears of joy. The soldiers were coming home. Days later, Charya stood at her father's side, watching as the Siamese army marched the defeated troops into the city of Angkor. Their once proud faces were ragged with exhaustion and shame. Their shoulders slumped, their spirits, like their nation, broken. As Charya scanned those faces, her own heart filled with dread. There was no sign of her beloved San. The soldiers came to a halt, the ranks parted, and a man in a white and gold silk Chong Krabane approached the platform where Charya and her father stood. He did not bow as he addressed the king. My lord, how marvelous it is to stand before you in the great city of Angkor. I am Satra, a humble noble of Siam. The king sends his regards and thanks you for your hospitality. You are most welcome, Lord Satra. Ah, the Princess Charya. You are even more beautiful than the rumors suggest. How fortunate that we are to be wed. Charya swallowed her pride and smiled. She had wanted to scream the first time her father had told her about the deal. Her hand in marriage to a Siamese noble had been one of many things he had promised to ensure that the captured soldiers were allowed to return home alive. It was a heavy price, but Charya had been happy to pay it if it meant San would come home. But he hadn't. That night, Charya lay on the dung-strewn floor of the elephant stables, weeping into the hay. She had fled the great hall, where the handmaidens had pestered her with details about the wedding preparations. It wasn't the wedding that bothered her. Charya no longer cared what happened to her, one way or another. If she could be alone with her grief for a moment, that would be enough. But she would not get her wish. Charya heard the sound of someone approaching and leapt to her feet, wiping the tears from her eyes. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know anyone was there. You don't have to apologize to me, princess. They're your father's stables. 
Charya stared at the soldier standing before her. He wore the frayed and muddy uniform of the defeated Khmer army. His face was battered and partially obscured by a rough beard, but his eyes were the same as the first time they met. San! I thought I might find you here. <clears throat> Charya and San lay in the stables for hours, discussing all that had happened. San told her about the things he had seen, the battles he had fought, the friends that he had lost. Charya could see now that he was not the same man that had gone off to war. Some small part of him had not returned, like a light that had gone out. But she loved him all the more fiercely for it and wanted nothing more than to protect him. As dawn approached, their discussion turned to the approaching wedding. I know a way out of the palace, a way Satra's soldiers won't be guarding. We can disappear and never return. It sounds wonderful. But? My father made a deal to protect our people. My marriage to Satra was part of that deal. If I go with you, people will suffer. My father, the soldiers you fought with... Is it your job to protect them? After everything that's happened? I think I'm the only one who can. The sun was just beginning to peek over the walls of the palace when Charya and San emerged from the stables. As they said goodbye and embraced for the last time, a figure emerged from the shadows. So this is where you've been hiding? Satra! I should have known that you couldn't be trusted. But I never would have expected you to lower yourself for this. <laughs> Commoner! Guards! Seize them! San tried to keep the guards at bay, but they quickly overpowered him. Charya screamed as a soldier wrestled her to the ground and fastened chains around her wrist. Please don't hurt him! I'll marry you! I'll do whatever you want! Marry you? After this? You must be mad. Take her to the city center. I want these people to see what happens to traitors. Charya thrashed and kicked, but there was nothing she could do. The guards dragged her through the city streets by her wrists, which bled as the sharp metal of the chains cut into them. She glimpsed the faces of astonished townsfolk emerging from their homes, unable to believe what was happening to their princess. There was a brief moment of reprieve when the guards suddenly stopped and lifted her from the ground. They stood her up, forcing her back against a wooden pillar. Then they began to pile logs and branches at her feet. A wave of horror gripped Charya as she realized what was happening. She did not want to die. She twisted her arms, straining against the chains. She cried out for San, for her father, for anyone to save her. But no one came. A soldier stepped forward, a burning torch clasped in his hand. He held it to the branches at Charya's feet. She watched as the flames spread around her. Suddenly, she managed to free one of her hands from the chains. Charya instantly plunged it into her sarong. A moment later, she pulled out the vial of black liquid. 
Mama Rangda's voice echoed in her ears, Drink this and no harm will come. The flames were now biting at her ankles, bathing the princess in their intense heat. She pried off the cap of the vial, lifted it to her mouth, and drank. A powerful cooling sensation spread through her mouth the moment the liquid hit her tongue. It spread down her throat and into her stomach. She shut her eyes, breathing a sigh of relief. But her nostrils filled with the stink of burning flesh. As the flames billowed around her, a searing pain spread through her legs. The potion hadn't worked. She had taken it too late. Charya began to shriek as the unimaginable heat overtook her, and her world became fire and pain. She began to beg for death to take her, to relieve her from the agony, but death never came. She was left only with suffering and the terrible crackling of the flames until the fire began to die as the branches and wood burnt itself out. Charya stared through the thick black smoke, her mind hazy, her throat ashen. But the pain was gone now. Somehow, she was still alive. Perhaps the potion had worked after all. As she grappled with the impossibility, Charya realized that the townsfolk were all staring at her, their mouths agape in expressions of astonishment, or perhaps it was horror. She looked down. Her body was gone, reduced to a pile of ash at her feet. All that remained was her exposed entrails, heart, stomach, and intestines, all of which now hung from her throat by her esophagus. Charya, or the thing she had become, unleashed a horrifying howl. She floated up and away from the pole, soared over the heads of the gaping townsfolk, and disappeared screaming into the night. Coming up, the princess-turned-monster feeds on the villagers of Angkor. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Now back to the story. A Khmer princess was pledged to marry a noble from Siam, but had fallen in love with a commoner. 
when she was caught with her lover, the noble ordered her to be burned at the stake. The princess took a magic potion to protect herself from the flames, but too late. Her body burned away, leaving only her head and entrails. She had become a crosser. Her lover, San, was released the next morning, his back a crimson mess of shredded skin from the lashes he had received. The noble had decided to let him live with the humility of having his beloved princess put to death by Siam. San heard the stories about the princess's disembodied head floating away from the fire into the night, but he did not believe them. He would not believe them. Charya was dead. Or so he thought, until one day many years later. San wove through the Encore market, eyeing the wares being hawked from the countless stalls. He paused at a basket weaver, selecting one of the largest from a stack. It wasn't the exact bassinet he had promised his wife, but it was the best he could afford at the moment, and he was running out of time. Oh, please, excuse me. As San turned to consider another basket, he knocked against a passing woman. She stumbled for a moment, then continued on her way as if nothing had happened. San's face turned ashen as he stared after her, the woman's skin was pale and clammy as it brushed against his. Her arms hung limp at her sides as she shuffled slowly away, dragging her feet like someone half awake. The woman disappeared into the crowd. San shook his head. He must have been mistaken. He had glimpsed her face for only a second after all. It could not have been her. San left the market and returned to work, determined to earn more money for a proper crib. Long after the sun had set, he finally made his way home. I'm home, my love. I wish it were not so late, but... <gasps> San froze in the doorway, staring into the single-room hut. His wife lay on the bed, fast asleep, but that was not what made him stop dead in his tracks. A disembodied head floated over her, a sack of glowing, pulsating organs dangling from its neck. An impossibly long tongue protruded from the mouth, disappearing between San's wife's legs. The head locked eyes with San, and he screamed. <laughs> Get away from her, you devil! San seized a broom, but the disembodied head was already floating away through the open window. He chased after it, leaping over the bed and jostling his wife awake in the process. By the time he reached the window, the head was no more than a distant light flickering in the sky, growing dimmer by the moment. His wife sat up and demanded to know what had happened, but San simply stared into the darkness. There had been no mistaking it this time. Her eyes had been crazed and feral, her hair a rat's nest, 
but he had recognized her in an instant. The face that had floated over his wife's sleeping body had belonged to Princess Charia. For the next two nights, San stayed wide awake. He was terrified that the spirit would return. On the third day, he decided that something had to be done to protect his wife. Out of options, he traveled to the tiny hut at the edge of the marsh. Welcome. You're the one they call Mama Rangda? And you're that young Mahout San. Only not quite so young anymore. Come, sit. Tell me what it is you want. The old witch listened in silence as San relayed everything he had seen. When he finished the story, she nodded thoughtfully. <sighs> it is as I feared. You are not the first to see flickering lights on the marsh, and there have been far too many troubled pregnancies of late. They say the foreign noble Satra has lost five children and two wives. I don't understand. What does that have to do with the thing I saw? And why did it have Princess Charya's face? Your wife and child are in grave danger. If you wish to save them, you must do exactly as I say. San's expression darkened as the old woman spoke. She told him of the potion she had given Charya those many years ago, how the princess had taken it moments too late. It had protected her head, organs, and stomach while the rest of her burned. She had become a crosser, a creature of the night with an insatiable hunger for human flesh and blood. The witch explained how the Krasa had taken a new body, the corpse of one of her victims, to protect her organs during the day. Each night she hid her new body to hunt, returning before the dawn. After Mama Rangda was finished telling him what to do, San left her and returned to his home. The first step was to collect as many thorny branches as he could find and place them in and around his hut. He then waited and prayed. Some weeks later, San's wife went into labor. He stayed by her side through the night, watching the midwife's face for any sign of trouble. He was sure the birth was taking too long. But when the sun rose the next morning, San held a healthy girl in his arms while his wife slept soundly on the bed. Once again following Mama Rangda's instructions, San took the placenta deep into the fields far away from his home. He buried it in a deep hole so that it would not lure the crosser back to them. San had hoped that was the end of it, but the nightmare was far from over. While the birth had gone smoothly, over the next few days, both his wife and newborn child became ill. Their skin grew ashen, their breaths labored. Distraught and scared for his family's life, San returned to the witch's hut. Mama Rangda, help me! My family is dying! 
Hmm. I fear as much. But I've done everything you've said. The saliva of the Krasu is foul and tainted. As long as it lives, your wife and child are in grave danger. When your wife passes, there is a danger that she too will become a Krasu. That cannot happen. As long as it lives. Please, how can I kill it? The Krasu hides its body somewhere familiar each night before it goes out to hunt. But it must always return by morning, for it cannot survive in the light of day with its entrails exposed. Destroy the body before it returns, and the Krasu will die. Only then will your wife and child be safe. Destroy the body. If I follow it at night, I can learn its hiding spot. Then I'll return the next day while it hunts and finish it off. Thank you, Mama Rangda. San raced back to his home, eager to put his plan in action. The sun had only just set. There was still plenty of time to hunt the crosser. He would wade out into the marsh and wait until he saw the light. San stopped in his tracks. Ahead in the distance, he could see the glowing orb floating into the night sky. It had appeared directly ahead of him, in the direction of his hut. San ran, heart filling with dread. The hut came into view. Its door hung open. The thorny branches surrounding the building were askew, the circle broken. San ran inside and cried out in anguish. His wife lay on the bed, eyes frosted over with death. Even worse, the crib was empty. Please, you have to help me. It took my child. San banged on every door he passed, desperate for help. Many of his neighbors were eager to follow. Some had been visited by the Krasa themselves or lived in fear of it. They took up torches and pitchforks and marched into the marsh. They fanned out in every direction, searching high and low. If anyone saw the faint, flickering lights, they were to alert the others before giving chase. Hours passed, and there had still been no sign of the crosser. San was getting desperate. It was nearly dawn. If he did not find the creature soon, he knew that he would never see his child again. If only he knew where the Krasa had hidden its body, where Charya had hidden her body. As the first faint glimmers of dawn peeked over the horizon, an idea formed in San's mind. He turned and ran, through the marsh and the village, huts gave way to great stone buildings, new additions constructed by the king of Siam. Then the walls of the palace came into view. San hadn't set foot inside in over a decade, but he found that he remembered the way like it was yesterday. He headed for the secret entry, the one he had begged Charya to escape with him through all those years ago. He was relieved to see that no guards blocked the passage. 
Memories rushed over San as he stepped into the courtyard. It was just as he had remembered it, save for the banner of Siam, now billowing from the ramparts. Then San's eyes narrowed as he saw it. The flickering orb of light had floated over the walls and was gliding toward the elephant stables. The body must be inside. San had been right. He had just been too slow. San raced across the courtyard to the elephant stables and burst inside. He threw open the door to the largest pen. Four large gray elephants stood there, staring at San with sleepy brown eyes. And there, in the far corner, sat the headless body. The crosser floated in through the open window, clutching the sleeping child in its long, serpentine tongue. It saw San and dove for the body, cackling with shrill laughter. <laughs> San leapt forward, knowing he would never reach the body in time. He threw himself instead in front of the elephants, howling and waving the torch and pitchfork he held in each hand. The frightened elephants turned and charged out of the pen, trampling the headless body beneath their enormous feet. The crossa hovered in the air, staring in bewilderment at the crushed, broken shape. Sunlight filtered in through the open window, coloring the barn in a golden hue. As the light touched the crossa's exposed organs, they burst suddenly into flames. The crosser screamed, and its tongue released the child. The infant fell, and San lunged. He grabbed his daughter out of the air, twisting his body around her before crashing into the ground. Above him, the crosser had become an orb of billowing flames. A last scream filled the barn, and then it was gone. San lay in hay and elephant dung, staring at the child nestled safely in his arms. Gray and white flakes of ash swirled around him, coating his head and shoulders, filling the elephant stables where he had worked as a boy, where he had fallen in love, and where his lover had met her end. He hoped that she had found peace at last. San pushed himself to his feet and walked out of the stables, never taking his eyes off his daughter's face. He smiled, more glad than ever for the name he had given her, Charia, the princess he would never stop loving. The Krasa is an extremely popular figure in parts of Southeast Asia today, appearing frequently in films, television dramas, and cartoons, as well as in the form of costumes, dolls, and even lamps. The myth is particularly persistent in rural parts of Thailand, where glowing orbs of light are frequently sighted over marshes and rice paddies. 
One possible explanation for this phenomenon is the presence of methane, which is released by rotting vegetation and animal matter frequently found on open fields. While the Krasa's grotesque appearance is something to behold, it's the creature's appetite for unborn children that may explain its cultural significance. In Thai villages, Krasa are used to explain all manner of complications and diseases resulting from pregnancy. If the child or mother dies, the suggestion is that a Krasa was the culprit. Thai women generally have good access to health services, and most births are overseen by skilled health personnel. But this is not, however, the case in all parts of Southeast Asia. In Indonesia, the mortality rate due to childbirth is particularly high. In 2005, it was estimated that 262 mothers died for every 100,000 live births in the country. But in any part of the world, childbirth can be a frightening and deadly process. In the United States, 50,000 women suffer from life-threatening complications due to pregnancy, and over 700 die each year. And two-thirds of those deaths are preventable. The Krasa is an embodiment of the dangers involved in childbirth. In Thailand, it's imagined as the nightmarish, disembodied head of a woman, with glowing organs dangling from her neck. It seems, then, as long as women have reason to fear childbirth, the Krasa's hunger will remain unquenched. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Michael Langsner with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Andrew Kelleher with writing assistance by Drew Cole. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Rebecca Aarons Diamond, Susanna Corrington, Brian Kim, Harris Markson, Albert Park, Kimlin Tran, and Jen Wong. Mythology stars Vanessa Richardson. Mythology.